0: You know, something that never ceases to amaze me is I don't know what the special musics are going to be. I had planned and prepared to preach to you today on the blessing of faithfulness. And here God uses the special music to prepare our hearts with a song like that God is faithful. Isn't that wonderful? You know, there is there are many blessings about being faithful. Faithful as a believer, faithful to the Lord. And that's something the devil doesn't want you to do. He doesn't want me to be faithful. He doesn't want you to be faithful. He wants us to be faithless, not faithful. At least in spiritual matters, anyhow, when it comes to, uh, I suppose, certain things, the devil says, okay, you can be faithful to those, but not to these over here. For example, the devil would say, you could be faithful, to your home, but don't be faithful to church. Don't be faithful to your church. Uh, The devil might say you can be faithful to your family, but don't be faithful to the family altar. Don't gather your your family around the Bible and read some scripture and have prayer together. Don't do that. Don't be faithful to the family altar. Um, You can be faithful to your work, but don't be faithful in serving the Lord. You get the idea there, there really are many blessings to being faithful, which is what I want to talk with you about today. And in just a minute, we'll have a word of prayer. But before we do, I want to, to tell you just a little story here that I thought was very appropriate. And it all began 48 years ago on March 2nd, 1972, NASA sent a rocket up into space equipped with a little satellite called Pioneer 10. You have that picture? Put that picture up. There's a picture of Pioneer 10. It's really not a very big satellite, but there it is. And the purpose of the satellite was to reach the planet Jupiter. And that was considered a very bold uh, and brazen mission back then, 48 years ago. Technology has changed quite a bit, as you know. But the idea was it, the, the satellite was to go and find Jupiter and to photograph it and check out its radiation belts and its atmosphere and its magnetic field and things like that. And they, they considered it bold because nothing had ever gone beyond Mars. But Pioneer 10 accomplished its mission and much, much more. And in November 1973, so about a year and a half later, it reached Jupiter. And Jupiter's immense gravity field hurled Pioneer 10 at a higher rate of speed out into the solar system. And so at 1 billion miles from the Earth, Pioneer 10 passed Saturn At some 2 billion miles, it passed Uranus and passed Neptune. At nearly 3 billion miles from Earth, it passed Pluto. Uh, By 1998, 26 years after it was launched, Pioneer 10 was more than 7 billion miles from the Earth. And the amazing thing is that it still continued to transmit back radio signals back to the Earth. Now, it took nine hours for Earth to to receive those radio signals, but the real truly amazing thing is that this little satellite, this Pioneer 10, its radio transmitter was eight watts, eight watts of power. Now, you all know what a 60-watt light bulb is. An eight watt light bulb would be like a little nightlight you'd put in a child's room. That's how much power pioneer 10's transmitter had. And it was still faithfully sending back data and the scientists were absolutely amazed by this. The longevity of this little satellite with its tiny eight watt transmitter has accomplished more than anyone ever thought possible. Today, Pioneer 10 is approximately 12 billion miles away from Earth, and it's traveling at a rate of 26,720 miles per hour. You say, how fast is that? Mm -hmm. Well, the Earth is about 24,000 miles around. It would take 54 minutes for for Pioneer 10 to make it completely around the Earth. That's pretty quick. I'd say that's, that's fairly quick. Now we're talking today about being faithful and God can do great things, even through a Christian with a little eight watt transmitter, if they're faithful. So let's have a word of prayer and let's get into this fascinating subject. Heavenly father, we bow before you today before your love, your compassion and mercy before your sovereignty, your sense of holiness and right and wrong and justice. And Lord, we bow before you and we, we give you honor and praise and worship and glory. Thank you for who and what you are. And we only know a tiny, tiny fraction of who and what you are. And the little we know is sufficient for all our lives. You are an amazing God. And we do praise you. We ask that you would please help us to learn to be faithful. Lord, if there's one thing you love, it's faithfulness. I suppose if there's one thing that you detest its unfaithfulness so help us today all of us to make decisions in our hearts to be faithful to you lord faithful faithful to that day you call us to yourself in jesus name we pray amen i'd like to suggest to you that god does not measure your life as a christian by the accomplishments by the great things you've done you know you've Jumped higher than a building, you know. You've run faster than a uh, a bullet or something, you know. These amazing things that some people boast themselves in doing. Lord, have we not, in Thy name, cast out demons, and I named done many wonderful works? Remember the sad words that Jesus had to utter in Matthew chapter seven: "I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity." Boy, that's going to be sad. When some people actually hear those words, but it'll be glad when Jesus is able to say the words, well done thou good and faithful servant. That's what God is looking for is faithfulness. And he prizes faithfulness more than the fact that you have a hundred watt transmitter. No, you can have your little eight watt transmitter and still receive from the Lord. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. I believe that God expects pastors to be faithful. Would that be a safe assumption? Would you agree with that? That pastors ought to be faithful? Take your Bible, please. And let's take a look at this. Let's go to Colossians. So we turn to the right from 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to Colossians. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. And we have the pastor of the church at Colossae. His name is Epaphras. Paul writes and says, as he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. So there's an example right there. Uh, God expects pastors to be faithful. And there's a pastor right there of the church at Colossae who was faithful. Turn to chapter four of Colossians. And we have a friend of Paul's name Tychicus. Now that may have been a good name back in Bible days, Tychicus. But parents, I would just suggest you do not name your child Tychicus, because uh, boy, when they get to school, the kids are kids have no mercy. You know, they're going to go oh, with a name like Tychicus. So, verse seven, chapter four, verse seven: All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow ser- fellow servant in the Lord. So here was Tychicus. He was like a fellow preacher, a fellow servant with the Apostle Paul, and he was faithful. And one more in this chapter, verse number 17, and say to Archippus, take heed. Uh, is that the verse I want? Did I get it right? No, I missed it, didn't I? I'm looking for, well, I guess that must be the verse after all. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Hey, I can live with that. There's Archippus being encouraged. Now Archippus, they figure, was a young man at the church at Colossae, and he was being encouraged. He'd been given a ministry there in the church. And to be faithful to it. And and that's just the bottom line folks. Is that faithfulness is where it's at. Faithfulness to the Lord. But listen to this. Faithfulness to the Lord in serving others. And in reaching others. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. That was way back in the days when it was more salvation than it is army. The Salvation Army has changed a lot in the last hundred years. But William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army, and he did much to reach men and women in London, England, with the gospel. In fact, the gospel went around the world because of William Booth. But he got old, and in 1910, he was about 81 years of age, and he was in frail health, and he was basically an invalid. They were going to have the big annual meeting and delegates from around the world were going to converge on London, England. And William Booth was just not able to make it. His health wouldn't allow it. Someone that was close to Mr. Booth suggested that he send a letter, a telegram perhaps, to the convention. And so he thought long and hard about what he would put. And he thought about his, his ministry and what was important. And he wanted to say what he had to say in as few words as possible. So when the thousands of delegates met, the moderator announced that General William Booth would not be able to make to the meeting because of his failing health and doom and pessimism swept over the crowd. But then the moderator announced that Mr. Booth had sent a letter. So everyone hushed down and quieted right down. They were going to read the letter at the start of the first session. So the moderator opened the message from general William Booth and it had one word on it, others. That was his message. Others think of others. Don't be thinking so much of yourself. Think about others. It's, it's the same message for us. We've been saved so that we can reach out to others. Our service for the Lord needs to involve others and serving of others. I believe that God has equipped every Christian to be able to be of service to him. If you turn back to Romans chapter 12, you'll see this very clearly. Romans chapter 12, the equipping that God has has given And of course, the chapter begins with the famous verses on presenting your body as a living sacrifice to God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. My Christian friend, it is your reasonable service to give your whole body, soul over to God, including your body, your fleshly body. Why would God want my fleshly body? Because that's the vehicle through which you live your life here on earth. You give them the vehicle. Many of you buy new cars and you bring them around and say, Pastor, can we dedicate this car? We sure can. We all gather around it, put our hand on a car and dedicate the car to the Lord. Many of you move into a new place, be it owned or rented. And you say, Pastor, can we dedicate this home to God? We sure can. So we have a little dedication service. We're not driving the devils out of the water We're out of the walls. We're not doing anything like that, but we're dedicating the home so that the glory of the Lord can be seen by the neighbors. Well, when we give our body to God, it's so that he can use us. If you drop down now to verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And then he starts going through them. And there are seven of them listed here. Prophecy and ministry and teaching and exhorting and so on. Every believer, every Christian has been given a spiritual gift. Every Christian, at least one. Many have two. Some have three. I believe that the apostles were given all of the gifts. Well, the fact is God has equipped us. And here's some good news. If you look at chapter 11 and verse 29. Verse 29, look at that verse 1129 for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God will never take those gifts away from you. When I was saved back in 1975, there was a sweet little old lady in the church I was going to. And she said to me on more than one occasion, now God has given you a gift. And if you don't use it, he'll take it away from you and give it to someone else. She didn't get that from the Bible because God says in the Bible that his gifts and calling are without repentance. God is never going to take back that gift of teaching, take back that gift of ministry. He's not going to take back that gift of of giving. He's not going to do that. He knows what he's getting himself into when we got saved. He knows all about us. He knows our ups and downs. And in light of all of that, he says, I want you to have this gift or maybe two gifts God has given you. Sometimes I believe that when God calls people to full-time service. God has given them more than one gift. They may have a few gifts in there. Well, how do we know that God wants all Christians to serve him and to serve others? And that's a good question. Of course, we had the verse in uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4.2, that stewards are to be faithful. But if you turn to the right again and go to Galatians, Galatians, so right after 2 Corinthians, you have Galatians. And chapter 5, I believe you have that answered for you. Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to look, please, at verse number 13. And I'd like you to read it out loud with me, please. Galatians 5 and verse 13. You have it? Yes? All right, let's read together. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another. So there, Paul writing to not just one, but many churches in the area of Galatia. The book of Galatians was written to the Galatians in the different churches of Galatia. There was more than one. There were several churches there. And this letter would have been read and copied and passed on to the next church. Read, copied, and passed on to the next church. And so Paul is saying, serve one another. Serve one another. You needn't turn there, but in um, Titus chapter three, verse eight, it tells us as Christians to maintain good works. Very important. Have you noticed that during COVID that things seem a little different? Our usual regular habits of coming to church. And some of you used to work in the nursery and some of you in Sunday school and some of you as ushers and so on. And, These were regular jobs we did, and now it's like we're out of work. Have you noticed that? And there's that feeling of, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm doing nothing. Well, that is a feeling, that's for sure. But the scriptures tell us to maintain good works. So even with COVID restriction and lockdowns, we can still maintain good works. We are to serve one another. Here's an interesting story that was told about the American Revolution, which happened something like uh, 1765. And uh, they, of course, were revolting against British rule, the American Revolution, right? George Washington was the general at the time, and they called him the commander-in-chief. After the revolution, he became the first president of the United States. And the commander-in-chief title kind of followed after that. But he was riding on a horse and uh, came upon a a corporal and and a bunch of privates. And the corporal was barking out orders at the privates. Come on, men, you can do it. And trying to erect some beams and get something going. And these men were obviously sweating and struggling and they couldn't seem to quite get it done. And the corporal was barking his orders. And so Washington asked the, uh, the corporal, why don't, you, uh, why don't you help them? Because the corporal didn't recognize who Washington was and said, sir, he said, I'm a corporal. He said, oh, oh, I apologize, said General Washington. And he got down off his horse and he helped the men to get that beam into place. And he wiped the perspiration from his brow and dusted the dust off his clothes. And he went to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, sir, next time you have a job like this and you don't have enough men, you just call upon me, call upon your commander in chief. And I will, I will come and help out. Who are you? Said the corporal. I am general George Washington. So just a, a good illustration that no matter who you are, be ready to help out. That's important that we be ready to serve and that we serve the Lord. Absolutely. Are you serving the Lord? Did you know that God has given you a Bible to use every day? That's part of your service is to open up the Bible and read. I hope you're a Bible reader. What about your prayer closet? Now there is one of your most powerful means of service through prayer. You're able to move mountains. That's why we asked earlier that if you will commit to praying daily for God's will concerning the 104 building, we'll give you that little model. Hey, I've been testing out a little model in my prayer closet for a few days. Now we've been sort of experimenting with them a little bit. I've been taking the the model down into my prayer closet I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing to be able to lay your hand on that building and say, Lord, Lord, do great things. Lord, grant us this building. And then on the backside to have all of the reasons in the Bible verses there. It's a great little model. I hope that everyone will commit to praying every day for God's will concerning the building. Now, don't don't take a model if you're just going to pray for two or three days and then set it on the shelf and then let it collect dust. Don't take a model. But if you can commit to praying every day, make it part of your regular daily prayer. I want you to sign up and take a model. But your prayer ministry is very important. Are you being faithful praying every day? I hope you're praying for me every day because I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I hope you're praying for me. I hope you love me because I love you. I hope that you want to serve me because I want to serve you. You see how the family of God works together. We're a family and we ought to work together. Well, what about coming to church? Now this obviously doesn't apply to anyone here today because here you are. But those of you that are watching over the internet, are you coming to church as you're able? Are you coming? Now I also understand that there are those who are not comfortable yet, even leaving their house because of the COVID thing. I have no problem with that. But if you're a believer, you're part of the church, you're able to leave your house and go and mingle all around, but you're not coming to church. Why not? You need to be faithful. Come to church. Now you can't come to church every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday like you used to, but you can put your name on the list. You can sign up. Every Christian I think ought to be able to come to church twice a month. You know, as a member, as a member, you need to come to church once a month just to maintain your membership. That's in your, your doctrinal statement and constitution. It's right in there. It's your handbook. You got to show up once a month just to maintain your membership. And you can do that. Now, as I say, if you are still very, very concerned about uh, the health issue, with COVID floating around because we're still battling it, aren't we as a city and as a country, if you're still concerned about that, if that's your concern, then obviously you're not going to go to your house much at all. And in which case, then I don't have a problem with that. I would consider that a legitimate reason for not coming to church, but be faithful watching online. You ought to set the example, watching online morning, evening, and Wednesday. Don't be lax about that. What about your tithes and faith promise? There's an area of ministry right there. Are you faithful with your tithing and with your faith promise to support missions? And here's one here. And this is an important one. It's a very practical area. And that is feeding Bible college students. We have a little sign up list. And if you talk to uh, Pastor Silver or to uh, his wife, Mrs. Irish, then they can help you with that. They can answer your question. What's involved with providing lunches for Bible college students? What, what do I have to do? What's involved? They'll answer all your questions and we could sure use a little bit more help people that would uh, help and provide some lunches. You know what some people have even done is they've, they've even bought pizza, you know, for the, uh, the Bible college students on one day or so, but it has to be coordinated through uh, Pastor Silver and Mrs. Irish for that. But I'm saying this, uh, are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? And what about in witnessing? Witnessing. You know, there's an interesting verse in Isaiah chapter eight and and verse two. And the context is how Isaiah had to uh, do a little bit of business for the Lord. And he went and took unto him faithful witnesses. And just that expression that he took unto him faithful witnesses, I think is applicable to the gospel today. If you know Christ as your savior, you're not allowed to hide under the bushel. You're not allowed to blow your candle out and pretend you're not saved. You're not allowed to do that. You need to let your light shine so that others can see the, see Christ in you, but so that others can also get the gospel. Now you might say, well, I, I don't know how to do it. And I'm too scared to do it. We have Soul Winners Academy starting in just a few weeks. It'll be starting on a Saturday. First Saturday in October. Sign up for it. We can only take 50. Because it's our, our limit, right? So the first 50 get it. So if you're interested in letting your light shine. And we'll, we'll show you how to be able to give out gospel tracts. We'll show you how to do that. And we'll show you how to give a clear testimony of the gospel at the soul winners academy little commercial here for soul winners academy if you've never attended before it'll cost you ten dollars that'll cover all your materials if you've if you've attended before but you want to come back then you're an alumni it'll only cost you five (laughs) dollars so the cost is very reasonable often you can't get in and out of mcdonald's in less than ten dollars right so ten dollars is nothing really And if you're really broke and you absolutely have no money, you come and see me and I'll make sure that you're looked after, that you get it. So don't you worry about it. My point is that we can't let lost people die and go to hell without hearing the gospel. They say that many people die and go to hell. They die in the shadow of the church steeple. You know what that means? You know, the church building, the roof on top is the steeple. And they put a cross there. And as the sun comes down, it has a shadow on the ground. And there's homes of people, lost people over there. And the sun moves and the shadow moves. And there's more homes with lost people. And the church is not reaching even the people beside them polls have been done by pollsters and they find that approximately 70% of us don't even know our next door neighbors. If you live in an apartment building, do you know your next door neighbor? Do you know the person who lives across from you? You certainly wouldn't know the person who lives just right above you or lives exactly below you. A lot of people don't even know their next door neighbors. They live in housing row housing or semi-detached or completely detached houses and they don't know that couple over there or that person over there they see them they'll know them to to see them but they don't know them that's a plague well true story back in 1985 down in the city of new orleans New Orleans had a lot of municipal swimming pools and they were always having problems with people drowning. Now this may sound strange, but this is true. And in 1985 in September, after the summer was over, they realized that not one person drowned September of 1985. So the city, they threw a party and all of the the uh, lifeguards were invited and there were some 200 people there. 100 of them were lifeguards that worked for the city and they eat, they had a big pool there. And of course, you know, uh, lifeguards are going to have a party at a pool. There has to be a pool. And so they put four of lifeguards on duty and they had this great big party. They were celebrating that not one person had drowned that year. That was a milestone. They were so excited. Well, the party finished and they were dispersing. And as people were going, they noticed something in the pool and they, they went over and looked and it was the body of a man fully clothed at the bottom of the pool. His name was Jerome Moody. He was 31 years of age and somehow at the party with 100 lifeguards plus four lifeguards on duty, he managed to drown and die. Now, that's a true story. You can check that out. That's sad, don't you think? That a man could drown with over 100 lifeguards all around him? And yet, how sad it is when our neighbors die and go to hell. They're not hearing how to be saved. The truth is, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And we only have this life to get right with God. Because when we die, there is no coming back. There is no second chance. There is no reincarnation. I know there are groups and religions that adhere to that and teach it and believe it, but it is false. It is not true. You say, how do you know? The word of God tells us the word of God tells us there's a heaven and there's a hell And men and women, boys and girls, are either saved and on their way to heaven, or they are lost and they are on their way to hell. It's our job as a church. It's our job as Christians to let our light shine. Give out a gospel tract. Invite someone to come to church. Learn through Soul Winners Academy. Learn how to give a word of witness, an intelligent word of witness. Soul Winners Academy will take all the fear away. So you're not afraid. You'll be able to do this. You'll know what you're doing. You'll know what to say. Well, what if they ask me a question? You'll know how to answer that question. It's a wonderful thing about Soul Winners Academy. This is one of the prime reasons why I think we need that building up on 104. Because our job as a church is to reach all of Surrey, all that map over there. There There's 600,000 people in this city. How are we going to reach them? Well, at the rate we're going, we'll be probably 10 lifetimes before we we get through every door. We need a faster method. That building will give it to us. The whole city will find out. You say, how do you know? Because I'll make sure they'll find out. That's how. If need be, we'll advertise so the whole city knows that God gave us that building. But it has to be of God. It has to be a miracle of God. Otherwise, I don't think it will work. Well, as Christians, we all love to be on the mountaintop. We all love to come to church and do the singing and just enjoy the blessings. We, it's all good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, you know, there's some Christians that don't do any more than that. You're familiar with D.L. Moody, the evangelist from the 1800s. I think we've all heard his name enough. Dwight Lyman Moody, great evangelist. He used to have these big meetings. Sometimes people would stand up and give testimony in one of his meetings. A man stood up and he said, he said, bless God. He said, I've been on the Mount of transfiguration for five years. Now, what did he mean by that? What he was saying was that he was at this lofty level of closeness with God. Just a wonderful, wonderful experience close with God for five years. He called it the Mount of Transfiguration. I've been on the Mount of Transfiguration for five years. Well, Moody stood up and asked them, sir, in those five years, how many souls have you led to Christ? And the guy suddenly froze. Oh, well, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. He said, well, in those five years, have you been able to point anyone toward the Savior? And the man answered, well, I I can't say that I have. And so then Moody turned to the audience and he said, well, he said, any kind of experience that would keep a man on the Mount of Transfiguration for five years and without reaching down into the valley below to help some poor sinner find Christ is the kind of experience that we're not much interested in. I'm afraid it's okay to have times of closeness with God. Your prayer closet will give you closeness with God if you do it right. But life isn't meant to be lived there. You see, even Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Why? Because are sin sick boys down in the valley that needed his healing touch. And that's where God has us to be. The work is in the valley. We go up to the mountaintop to meet with him, hopefully every morning. Maybe every morning, every night, but the work is down in the valley and we need to be faithful. And I'm telling you, as I stand here, there are blessings for the man or woman who will be faithful. Just one last little story here. It's a story that I I read about. It happened in the 1800s in the days of steamships when they would cross the Atlantic going from North America over to Europe. And this one man got very seasick. How many have ever gotten seasick on a boat? Or you queasy or something? Yeah, me too. I, they, <laughs> they would call us landlubbers. Landlubbers, landlubbers, because uh, we don't have our sea legs. Some of these old salty dogs out on the boats, you know, with the waves rocking around like crazy. My wife and I went on a small little glass bottom boat uh, a few years back. When we were down in Florida. And we were going to get to see some of the coral and the fish. Well, you know, the waves slapped that thing around. And the guy whose boat it was had no problem. A couple of other people in there had no problem. My wife and I were turning green. We were ready. I I thought it was coming. I really thought this is going to look bad all over that glass bottom boat. No one will be able to see anything after this. But God was gracious. And I held it all in. And she, he did a wonderful work of grace for my wife. I never even thought, I thought I was the only one sick. She was sick too, but she didn't show it. So she did better than me. But this man on this steamship crossing over to Europe, he was sick as a dog. So he was down in his cabin, in his bunk. And it was at night. And all of a sudden he heard, man overboard. Man overboard. And he thought, oh, no, some poor fellow's fallen over. And so he thought, oh, maybe I can see something. So he got out of bed and he was really tipsy. He made his way to the portal and he opened up the portal. It was all black. He couldn't see anything. He said, oh, I wish I could help. The poor guy's out there. They put the rowboat out there, you know. The lifeboat was out there and they were looking for him. And so he thought, I wonder if there's anything I can do to help. I wonder if I could even see the boat. So we went and he got a lantern. This is in the 1800s, right? With a little wick. He got the lantern and he held it up to the portal to try to see what he could see. And he couldn't see anything. It was just too black. So he thought, oh, there's nothing I can do. And he closed the portal and he went back to to his his bed. Well, the next day he was feeling a bit better and he came up on board and he heard that they found the man. And uh, lo and behold, there was the man who had fallen overboard. And so he asked him, what happened? Oh, he told him how he accidentally, you know, went over the rail. But he said, I, I had gone down twice. They say, you, you, they say that you, you go down and come up and go down and come up. And you go down, you stay down. You go down for the third time. That's what they say. I don't know why they say that, but that's what they say he said that he had gone down he came back up the second time and he was about to to go down for the third time and he stuck his hands up as he was going down and someone grabbed his hand someone in the lifeboat saw his hand because a light from one of the portals shone on his hand and the lifeboat was nearby and they were able to grab his hand and they pulled him in and the guy suddenly realized that that light was his here. He thought he could do nothing. And yet he was the one instrumental in saving this guy from drowning. And you may think that you can't do anything to help people get saved, but I'm telling you that gospel track that you left on the bus or that simple invitation or those prayers that you make day after day for that lost friend or lost loved one will make all the difference for eternity. God has equipped us already. We just have to use what we've got folks. So I'm, I'm encouraging you to be faithful, be faithful in all of these areas. You know, that pioneer 10 satellite I told you about earlier. It sent its last message back to Earth January 23rd of 2003. So that's over 17 years ago. By that point, it was 7.6 billion miles from Earth. It was only meant to last three years. That's all it was built for. And it's still out there, 12 billion miles away, with its faithful little 8-watt transmitter. Are you being faithful, Christian friend? Will Jesus Christ be able to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Would you bow your head, please, for prayer? We'll close our eyes.